topic here today. Someone, um, someone asked me this question, if we can have a bit of a look at this. And when you open up the Bible, there's so much to talk about on this topic. And um, I can't cover it all here today, but I'm going to cover certain aspects of it. And, and um, just want to see if we can make things clear. And of course, it's important for us to go to the, the Word of God because there's so much, there's a lot of teaching there's a lot of understanding we can get from the Word of God on this topic. There's a lot of comfort. Um, there's even, if I can use the word excitement, you know, um, about uh, about what's to come. And, um, you know, some of these things that are, are actually really big question marks um, for a lot of people as they go through our life. And I'm sure they have been for each one of us, um, even for myself, um, Growing up in the ways of the Lord and, and hearing things, I mean, um, I remember as a as a young fella, you know, some some very real questions and and um, imaginations there, you know, drifting off to sleep and and that sort of stuff, and and we still don't know everything about it, but um, yes. Yeah, so um, let's have a look where I'm going to get you to turn to. Um, if you want to turn to Hebrews chapter nine, we want to get it right, you know, like um, the, as far as just sort of thinking, you know, sometimes people can come from different um, different backgrounds and maybe you've grown up, a, you know, maybe in a family that's a certain religion and there's certain teachings and um, and then, um, you know, maybe you can sort of go to a different church along the journey and you maybe pick up some more teachings. And, um, and, and what we want to establish is in the Word of God is um, we want to just be able to read it together and go, wow, you know, that's that's what the Bible says. That's what the Lord says. I'd heard this and I thought it was that way, um, but you just want to get it right. I'll give you an example about getting it wrong. Um, when we were on holidays recently, um, we met some French people. I don't think I said this yet, but we met some French people and the wife spoke pretty good English, but the husband didn't speak so good. And uh, he was explaining he's uh, working in Sydney for a year and and uh, and he was speaking and, and trying to learn English and he's telling his boss um, about um, about his wife and she's a vegetarian. And so in his best efforts in English, he said, uh, my wife is a vegetable. Um, and um, so um, we were sort of having a laugh about that, but, you know, just a couple of letters and things can go very wrong. And, you know... Actually, that happens with the Word of God as well. And there's some things like, um, uh, you know, even in uh, religious circles, um, the challenges that people face, and we've, we've heard about it even this week, is the Catholic Church has made a decision to ch- change some of their teachings. I'll touch on that later. But even sort of thinking about that is in the Catholic Church, I believe that the priest is able to um, sort of have some sort of authority over whether someone's going to heaven or not. Um, and, and maybe whether you, um, whether you die a Catholic or whether you're buried in the Catholic church um, says whether you're going to heaven or not. And that's not what we read in the Word of God. And, and actually, even for someone who's in the Revival Fellowship, um, I was just recounting a story where uh, there was a... Um, there was a, a brother in the Lord at, at Woodcroft, and his wife had never come along. And she was, um, well, she—I don't know whether she was Catholic or—but she wanted 
her husband's funeral at the Catholic Church and we went along there because this guy was a brother in the Lord and, and actually he probably would have wanted it um, there in our fellowship but his wife had the say and it was at the Catholic Church. And um, But praise the Lord, we knew that brother and we knew what he valued and, and we knew where he was in his walk in the Lord and, and the fact that he was buried uh, you know, there um, as a part of a Catholic ceremony has no bearing on, on his relationship with the Lord, you know. And so there's some of these things that, um, you know, what's important? You know, what, what's, what's important to know and get right? And uh, this is just, uh, I've got, just got a few hopefully interesting slides here, but questions we can't answer in science class. Does God exist? Did God create the universe, the world and or us? What is a soul? Who goes to heaven? What happens after we die? And it says here, none of these questions can be answered using the scientific method and so they fall outside the realm of science. That doesn't mean they aren't good questions or that they aren't worth asking but they won't be answered in this class. So this is the way a lot of people live their life and um, maybe some um, examples of that is um, Stephen Hawking. I, I regard the brain as a computer which will stop working when its components fail. There is no heaven or afterlife for broken down computers that is a fairy story for people afraid of the dark. And that's a real pity, you know. He spent his life searching to, to understand the universe. I read another quote from him about how something came from nothing or it was something like that. And, and really that's, from what I believe, how he passed away. There's uh, David Attenborough, and I don't think he's worked these things out, um, however clever people are. Um, so I just want to touch on a few, um, of the, of the different things that I suppose can contribute to the realm of confusion. And, um, I mentioned these other people that we spoke to while we were away and they were Christadelphians and, and they sort of like, when we got talking about the Lord, oh, do you believe in the kingdom? And I said, yeah. Oh, great. We believe in the kingdom. And uh, it didn't get much further than that because we were talking about what you need to do to get to the kingdom. And um, and that's where we had a few issues. And um, so that's sort of really what I want to talk about here today. So um, Scientology. Who knows anything about Scientology? I didn't know much. Now, that is weird stuff. Like if you have a like just a bit of a read about this intergalactic alien ruler, Zenu, or however you say it. But um, I was just reading here, um, it's all about Thetan, Scientologists. The soul or the, or the Thetan is the most important aspect of life. The body dies, but the Thetan lives on and on. Scientologists who are part of the brotherhood known as Sea Org uh, sign a one-billion-year contract with the church leadership to affirm this belief and power over rebirth, ethical behaviour is one of the factors that influence where you are reborn. If you're not ethical enough, you could find yourself reborn into a terrible place. And so it's sort of got some reincarnation type uh, ties there. Um, uh, I've just picked on picked on a few here. We could we could go through any number, but they are things things that we face and contribute, like I say, to a realm of confusion. And we want to be clear, as we'll read later in um, 1 Thessalonians 4, I think that's the one that says, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren. I want you to understand these things. And so 
we'll have a look at that shortly. But um, Buddhism reincarnation views are similar to those of Hinduism, but with some twists. The goal in Buddhism is to escape desire. All craving must be extinct, uh, extinguished before escaping the birth, death, rebirth cycle and moving into the ultimate state of nirvana. Um, Buddhism does not believe we have eternal souls, but a group of memories and feelings that keep moving on to the next existence. The ultimate goal is nirvana, the end of all desire, and ultimate liberation through complete extinction. Um, this was just from Islam. Um, anyone who recites Surah al-Malk daily will be safeguarded against the punishment of the grave. So there's all sorts of all sorts of ideas out there and things that people can um, hang on to. In the Catholic Church, which some of you will, um, there may be more people who know that a bit better um, from experience, someone who has confessed his mortal sins and received absolution from a priest is considered to be in a state of grace at death. Very interesting. So um, the, the priest has say over that apparently. Um, with the exception of the most holy, holy, um, most souls spend time in purgatory to wash away the impact of their earthly sins. Only the pure can see God in heaven. Catholicism teaches that good people from other religions can get to heaven. Christ works through everyone, although some don't know it. And, and there's all sorts of, um, other, other beliefs that tie to the Catholic Church. And I just thought it was interesting that this week, I think it was this week, that They've decided that the death penalty is uh, inadmissible in Catholic teaching, and um, you know, of course, they they come up with new teachings along the way, um, maybe to be more accepted in society or whatever it is. Now, it, it's just interesting that um, I was I was thinking, <laughs> it's it's like the authority that they have uh, and power they have over whether people are going to make it to heaven or not. Because surely God is the judge of that. And, and while, as we believe from the word of God, while somebody's alive, there is a chance for them to be saved from their sins. Now, if the Catholic Church pre prior to this was happy to kill them off, well, there's no chance to be saved, is there? But now they've, oh, okay, we'll, we'll give them another chance, you know, and maybe they can make it to heaven. So they sort of just sort of make the story up as they go along. Um, there's a few others there, I had Mormonism, Judaism and so on, but um, maybe one interesting as well, uh, Protestantism. <laughs> With hundreds of Protestant sects, it's hard to summarise Protestant beliefs about the afterlife. Um, there are even disagreements within denominations, but each does have a notion of heaven and hell. Um, no purgatory, that's the Catholics. Um, there's no mention of it in the Bible. Um, and it says many Pentecostals and Baptists, uh, Baptists follow exactly what Jesus said. No one comes to the Father than through me. So know Jesus and um, you're off to hell. Even Christians who are not born again can be uh, denied heaven. Hell is a place of pain and sorrow and it goes on forever. Some conservative Protestant groups say Jews can get to heaven because they made the first covenant with God. More liberal Protestants like those in the United Church of Canada um, no one can determine the extent of God's mercy. The ultimate fate of all, including non-Christians, cannot be known. Heaven can be a state of being or a place. 
Hell can uh, be the simple absence of God, um, the annihilation of the soul. So anyway, I'm not going to read any more of that, but you can see here just just some of the ones that I had here off this article. And, and like I say, it just contributes to the realm of confusion. You put all of that together and you wouldn't have a clue what to what to believe, you know. And so what what we've got an opportunity to do is is to have a look at this. I mean, surely, you know, there's you, you'd think that we it's really our only source. You know, yeah, okay, the, the other way we can go is human experience, but what human experience is limited, you know, because we can't see past that point no one's come back to tell us you know sort of thing and and um and so i just really want to spend a little bit of time here just just um looking at the scriptures today because one of the things that um let's have a look i just had a couple more here um i've been through that so in in mainline Mainline church and a lot of uh, Christianity would be seen in this light, you know, like good people. You know, if you're, if you're good, you go to heaven. Um, and I just had this one here, um, which um, we know a bit about, I suppose. The, um, you know, the, the scriptures will, will tell us the story in the end. But um, the the thing is, when when if ever we're faced with it in life the challenge can come is is you know when when um people you know so someone close by or whatever i i knew a um a family years ago and um there was a, an unfortunate death in the family and um it really actually upset the family the family member was quite young and um and as it does but it challenged their view on the scriptures and and um, questions like so what happens to the body what happens to the soul and those sort of things and these things are referred to in the word of god and so if we know them we hang on to them we get comfort from them we get we get peace from them you know and and that's what the lord wants it to be because these people actually they they left the Lord as uh, as far as I know because they they couldn't deal with this you know because of the grief and, and you know the hurt and all of that sort of stuff um, that that is that is very natural in in these sort of things uh, that that'll come. I want just before we go to this scripture, I want to I want to just um, do a uh, an example here. I need some I need some volunteers, um, and I'm not going to ask you to do anything except stand still in a in a designated spot. Who's the youngest one we've got here? Taj, can I ask you to, to volunteer? Um, so just, just come out the front just over here. You don't have to, like I say, you don't have to do anything. Um, and then, then I want someone um, from the more elderly um, spectrum. Um, Christine, thank you. Um, and then someone sort of uh, middle, middle sort of aged, maybe like my sort of age. Um, have we got a volunteer? Aaron, your birthday's tomorrow, isn't it? There, there was people from behind you pointing to you as middle-aged, so I'll just let you know. All right, if you can come here for a moment. I'll... Now, I, I just want a, a, a physical sort of timeline here. So um, I want to look at 
maybe a thousand years. Now I reckon this hall's about twenty meters. I didn't I didn't measure it. About twenty meters. Everyone okay with that? Um, so if we're going to say, um, because we're going to read in the word the, the, about the Lord ruling and reigning for a thousand years, okay? So we're talking about God's story. What happens when we die? What happens when the Lord comes back? And, and, and the Bible talks about the Lord ruling and reigning for a thousand years. So if we've got 20 meters here, then, um, I'm going to say that one meter is 50 years. 50 times 20 is a thousand. Am I going all right? So for every meter along this wall here, it's 50 years. So Taj, I want you to stand, um, your lifespan of 14 and a half years. Am I right? Yep. Um, you need to stand, what's that, a, a, a portion of 50 is um, about uh, between a quarter and a third, isn't it? So you, you need to be about a foot away from that wall. Um, now, Christine, um, you must be about 55, something like that. <laughs> um, so um, do I need to ask Richard? Um, um, so we're going to get you to stand just beyond the meter um, away from from that wall. Well, this is, I, I didn't consider, yeah, that's a good idea, Christine. I, I thought that was going to get cosy there for a minute. Um, now, Aaron, you're going to be a bit less than a meter because you're turning 37 tomorrow. Everyone know that? Yeah, okay. So can you stand sort of in between um, Christine and Taj there, but a bit less than a meter away from from the wall. So go back a bit. Now, I just want you to just look at this for a minute, okay? So we got a thousand years, and and we look, we think about our lifetime. And Taj, I mean, Taj has lived a lifetime. He's been going to school for how long? You've been going to school for Taj? Nine, nine, ten years. Like you know, how much have you done at school in ten years? You know, and he's. He's, uh, you know, travelled to New Zealand. He's, uh, you know, been back and forth to Adelaide kids and teens camps and all of those things he's done in his lifetime. And there it is, about 30 centimetres, okay, on this ruling and reigning with Jesus Christ for a thousand years and everything he's done. Aaron, how long have you been working for? 19 years. You know, and that's a lifetime, isn't it? It, it? Imagine, I don't know how many people here have been in one job for 19 years and how much he's done in that time. Christine, how long have you been married for? 55 years. <laughs> oh, I was wrong on 55 then. She's been married 55. It feels like No, you haven't been married 55 years. I married Nearly 70. Okay. So maybe 50 years. Okay, yeah. <laughs> okay, been been with John for about fifty five years, and that's a lifetime. <laughs> um, so you think of all of those things that have happened in your lifetime, and when we're talking about ruling and reigning with Jesus Christ for a thousand years. Thank you. Uh, let's give him a clap. Um, I. You just have to picture that, okay? Because actually what I want to talk about here is, <laughs> it's going to sound silly now, but I, I actually want to talk about that metre and a half. Um, you know, this part, is what happens when we die, the, the rest of it, the, the, um, the, the next 20 metres, 
the next thousand years. I can't actually t- I can't actually tell you a whole heap about that. I mean, we can read out of Revelation twenty. We can we can have a look into the Word of God, and we can we can get a picture, and we'll all have a bit of our own picture. Um, we get a little bit of detail, and the Lord will reveal things to us along the way. But I can't I can't describe that to you exactly those twenty meters. But what we can talk about is this bit now, and and in that meter and a half, or you know that whatever it is. You know, and and wherever we last in that meter and a half, just look at it on God's plan. You know, and and think about, okay, so so this is the bit I want to know about now because because when we get to that meter and a half point when when Jesus Christ comes back, and and like I say, that might be you know the Bible says by strength we might live eighty years, but you know sometimes sometimes it's shorter. You know, and. But that same point, when Jesus Christ comes back for everybody, the next 20 metres, what is that going to look like? You know, what's that going to look like for each one of us? Let's have a look in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. Um, It says here, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. So we get a very clear answer straight away and we can go through each one of these that I've, I've shown on the slides here. When we talk about reincarnation, we believe the word of God, reincarnation is shot to pieces straight away right there. How many people know this scripture? I don't know. How many, how many even Christians know this scripture? I don't know because if we know it, it's very clear. It is appointed unto men once to die and after that comes the day of the Lord. And it says, So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. And praise the Lord for that that next 20 metres we get to look forward to, not as a cat, not as a snake, not as a whatever as we come back, but unto salvation. You know, and how exciting that is. Let's have a look in um, John chapter 3 and verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And uh, we read many scriptures where Jesus talked about everlasting life, living forever, you know, and this is the plan of God, you know, and, and that's exciting and that's that's joy and you know, to think of to think of what we do now to live again. You know, and you know, I suppose that sometimes in life we, um, and maybe as we get older, we make sure we got all those things in place. You know, whether it's a will, whether it's super, whether it's pension. You know, um, that everything's going to work out. People, um, you know, want to. Um, pay for things before they stop working so that they're going to be good in retirement um, and they're not going to have too many bills and all that sort of stuff and spend a lot of time working out what that retirement's going to look like, you know. And yet, what's retirement? Um, you know, 20, 20 years if we're lucky or something like that. And, 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 and 20 years is, is um, you know what a third, third more a bit more of a meter, and then we look at the next twenty meters. You know, like um, and so here, 
Jesus says you can have an everlasting life. You can live again. Um, let's have a look in John chapter 5. That is the ultimate answer to what happens when we die. Can, you, can there be any better answer? Is you can live again. You can live forever with Jesus Christ. Not, not um, knowing him in the sense we know now that we've received the Holy Spirit. You can live with him forever. Um, John 5 and verse 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Once again, Jesus just uttering these these amazing words that imagine when he said them for the first time, you know, just holding on to those those words. John chapter 11 and verse 25 here, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? So then we have to... Um, sort of uh, understand these words. We believe in Jesus Christ that we shall never die. And he said, believe, believe that. Okay. We believe it. They're the words of Jesus Christ. How, how do we apply them? Um, let's have a look in uh, Philippians chapter 3. Uh, Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20. It says, um, for our conversation is in heaven. The things we think about, the way we live our life, the, the way we talk, our conversation is in heaven. It's on the next 20 metres. It's on the next realm with, with Jesus Christ. From whence also we look for the Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby his able even to subdue all things unto himself. Okay, so there's there's another little answer as well, is we don't have to put up with these bodies anymore. You know, the, the, the bodies that break down. He's going to fashion it like unto his glorious body. Again, does it get any better than that? Can there possibly be a better answer to what happens when we die? You know, that you're not going to have to put up with that dodgy knee anymore. You know, and you're going to be changed into this uh, new glorious body. Um, uh, back in uh, Philippians chapter one, just while you're there, we start to understand the words of Paul here. And uh, yeah, Philippians one twenty one: For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. To gain some understanding of of what we've been called to, what we're going to be in for the next thousand years and then beyond is to die is gain. You know, like and um and and he had some appreciation of that and he wanted to tell us, so he wrote it down. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labour, yet what shall I choose or what not? For I'm in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. And then he goes on to talk about how you know he's still got a job to do, and um, and he did that with the churches there. 
Um, so let's have a look. First Thessalonians chapter 4. And we get some other answers here to, to some of the questions about, I mentioned before, about what happens to the body. What happens to the person? What happens to the soul? You know, when somebody passes away before the Lord comes back. And, and once again, we get great encouragement here in the scriptures. And, um, it says in verse 13, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. There it is on the day of the Lord that the, the people that have passed away and uh, you know and, and are the Lord's they'll rise first. What's that going to look like? I don't know. I can't tell you that one, but but it have to be amazing, you know, like to to see. I mean, how often do you see that? You know, like, and and all of a sudden we're going to see the power of Jesus Christ, and the dead are going to be raised. You know, and and uh, there on the on the sound of the trumpet, and and then we which are alive and remain shall shall be caught together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. So we can't actually. Place people. We, we we hear a lot of it, you know, like on TV or whatever it is, um, and even in sporting um, circles, you hear, you know, um, my father looking down on me and all of that sort of stuff. Actually, what what can we have better than our heavenly Father um, looking, you know, down on us and and uh, and and looking to that day and and that coming and and when we'll we'll meet. The saints again together, you know, like, um, but we, but they're not, they're not in heaven waiting for us. They're waiting for the day of the Lord, that wonderful day of the Lord. Um, let's have a look in Second Corinthians chapter five. I don't know if you've thought about like, um, I don't know if I know, you know, know exactly the the, the answer to this, but. You know, if someone does pass away and, and, you know, the, so they, they lose consciousness. I mean, maybe the moment they pass away, the next thing is bang, they rise to meet the Lord in the air. You know, they're not conscious for however long. I mean, there's people who've been dead for thousands of years or, you know, or, or maybe, you know, however long. But they, the, from the moment they close their eyes is the next thing, bang, you know, like they're risen. To see Jesus Christ, and um, you know what a glorious thing! What what happens when we die? Maybe that is the very next second. You know that's what it seems like. You know, bang. There's no waiting around or sleeping as such to that person. Um, maybe. Um, Second Corinthians chapter five and verse one. Just got a few out of um, Corinthians here that we. Well, not finishing Corinthians, but um, Paul talks to the Corinthian church quite a quite a bit about this topic. Um, so, 
Yeah, I'll read it out of the Amplified. For we know that if the tent, which is our earthly home, is destroyed or dissolved, we have from God a building, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Here indeed in this present abode uh, body we sigh and groan inwardly because we yearn to be clothed over. We yearn to put on our celestial body like a garment to be fitted out with our heavenly dwelling so that by putting it on we uh, may not be found naked without a body. For while we are still in this tent, we groan under the burden and sigh deeply, weighed down, depressed, depressed. Not that we want to put off the body, the clothing of the spirit, but rather that we would be further clothed so um, that what is mortal, our dying body, may be swallowed up by life after the resurrection. The way I read that is that... um, at the moment, the Holy Spirit comes inside and it's talking about clothing and at the moment it's in this tent, you know, it's in this mortal body. But when Jesus Christ returns is that it talks about it would be clothed with this celestial body and the Holy Spirit that is, I suppose, somewhat limited by this earthly tabernacle, this earthly tent, that one will go and this new... Um, as it says in the Amplified, this new celestial body. What does that look like? You know, you tried on your latest celestial clothing. Um, and, and so it sort of really makes you think about, like I say, when we're talking about that meter and a half, the bit that we know about now, the, the, the way that we should, um, walk in the spirit in our life and to, to put into place, you know, what happens when we die is that, We've got to look after the spirit. I know, like, you know, if ever you've experienced um, times um, I've hit middle age and, and all of a sudden you try on an item of clothing that you wore six months ago and it's really disappointing because it just doesn't fit like it used to. And, um, you know, when the Lord comes back, if that spirit hasn't been looked after, will the new clothing fit? You know what I mean? Like when when the this tent, this this earthly tabernacle is is cast off, if has that spirit been looked after so that we will be clothed with the new one? Um, sort of what I'm reading here, and um, so verse uh, verse five says, "Now um, he hath he that hath wrought us for the self same thing is God also uh, who." also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. Therefore we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore we labour, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, uh, whether it be good or bad. And once again, the Amplified there says in verse 10, uh, talking about whether good or evil, considering what his purpose and motive have been and what he has achieved, been busy with and given himself and his attention to accomplishing. And I suppose that's what I was just thinking about is, is looking after the Spirit, you know, because when we, we, we appear before Christ and he wants to clothe us, and clothe the spirit. That's what he's clothing. He's not clothing this front flesh. We're getting rid of that. 
you know, so, so what happens with diet? When we die, hopefully we're going to put on this new celestial body. Um, first Corinthians chapter 15 and, um, probably run out of time here. Um, if you, if you want to sort of read up a bit more on this, have a read of all of first Corinthians chapter 15. Um, it's a good one. Um, it talks about the, the appreciation, the understanding, knowing that we will live again because Jesus Christ rose again and, and he was the first fruits of the, of the new, of the new life. So the fact that Adam was born and he, um, he was, uh, you know, man in sin and, and death. And then Jesus Christ came as a man and he died and he rose again. And it says he's the first fruits of that, of that new creation. So the, he's the first example of what's going to happen to us. You know, that we will, we will be raised like he was. And, um, and so then we read in verse 35, but some, uh, some man will say, how are the dead raised up and with what body do they come? So we've, we've just touched on that. They are full. That which thou sowest is not quickened except it die. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but bear grain. It may chance of wheat or of some other grain, but God giveth it a body as, it, as pleased him and to every seed his own body. Um, all flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another of fishes, and another of birds. It talks about the, the wheat and the, the grain here and the seed. and um and it's a it's a great um it's a great picture you know that that seed is like um is is like dead until it it germinates and and even when that new life comes and and the the old just breaks away and you know perishes in the ground um what it's going to be like also when the lord comes back and uh you know and that that new that new body taken out of this old this old tabernacle that we've just been reading about. And it says, um, verse 40, there are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial, but the glory of the celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of um, the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars, for one star differeth from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption it is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. And and once again, just that that burial of the seed of the body, and raised in glory, in power. You know, to to live again, to to live forever. Um, verse forty five. And so it is written: the first uh, man Adam was made a living soul, and the last Adam was made a quickening spirit, being Jesus Christ. Howbeit that was not um, first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and after that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthly. The second man is the Lord from heaven, and is the, uh, the earthy. Such are they also that are earthy, and as is the heavenly, such are they that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthly, uh, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth in corruption inherit incorruption. I think you pick up the gist of that. The physical comes first and the spiritual comes later. And the new 
the new life comes in and uh, because flesh and blood can't inherit the kingdom of God. 51, behold, I, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in, the, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labour is not in vain in the Lord. And that, that's a little scripture at the end. I mean, he's just been talking about death and life and victory and being raised incorruptible. And he says, so, brethren, be steadfast, unmovable. Don't be shaken in your walk in the Lord. In, in this little portion of your life, think about that day. You know, oh, grave, where is thy sting? You know, like... And, and just the enormity of the glory of that next time and the joy and the excitement. And yes, sometimes it's hard to see that now. And that question can come up, you know, and people ask it, you know, what happens when we die? And everyone's got a, an explanation that sort of fits, you know, what they want to believe. But... The Lord has given us everything to satisfy our minds, our, our hearts, to comfort us, to give us peace, and 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 to look forward to that day, you know. And First um, um, Corinthians chapter two, just a couple of quick ones to finish on. Not, not to us only, and that's the most important thing is to, to us. To know what's important now, to know what's important to get to that day when Jesus Christ returns or should we even go sooner. You know, and, and that day, like I say, will be the same for all of us because, uh, because if we go sooner, we're waiting for that day. You know, like, and so it's most important to, to us to understand these things, but also, when the curly ones come and, and, and you know, people in, in a realm of confusion will sort of say it's like this or like that, that we actually have got an answer in the Word of God and we have got peace in the Word of God to know how it is because God w- wants us to understand. And First Corinthians 2 verse 9, he says, As it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God has revealed them unto us by His Spirit, and and we start to get a glimpse of these things. But if anybody ever tells you, you know, we didn't sort of really touch on that today, but that they have died and they've seen this and they came back and whatever, you know, or they near death experience and and whatever, never never let that get confused with the glory of what God has prepared for us, because nobody's seen it. You know, and I think that's that's awesome because we can't even imagine it, and that's why I say I can't even I can't even tell you about that. Yes, we can get some sort of indication from the scriptures, but it's going to be amazing, you know. And 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 that is the answer to what happens when we die. It's that, 
You know, like it's it's we can't even imagine the glory uh, and and the the wonder of of what um, God has prepared for us. Um, Matthew twenty four. Just just one other quick answer to a question that comes up. You know what I reckon is cool as well. I I worked this out on the hall being thirty meters, but when I looked at it, I think it's twenty. So. Um, but it probably doesn't really matter because I thought I worked out that one day is is less than a tenth of a millimeter, and a tenth of a millimeter on God's timeline, and we haven't even talked about the forever. That's just a thousand years, okay? So a tenth of a millimeter, you can't probably even do that with your fingers, and that's a day on that on God's timeline, and God values your love for Him today. You know, like how small we are and, and what we do today, you know, and God values that. And I reckon that's pretty cool too. Um, Matthew 24 and verse 26 says, Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. Okay. So if we're, if we're believing, when I say we, the world, whoever you're talking to, believing that Jesus Christ is coming back. And there'll be some people who say he's already come back um, in secret or, you know, it's totally contrary to the scripture, um, but they do. Um, and um, or, or how will we know when Jesus Christ comes back? I had it just uh, at the Trash and Treasure talking to someone saying, oh, but, you know, there'll be deceivers and people say that they're Jesus Christ coming back and whatever. But here it says, For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Nobody will miss this show. You know, like, what happens when we die? You know, if we die before or if our mortal bodies, when Jesus Christ returns at that same point in history, nobody's going to miss it. You know, whether... Whether they've already passed away, whether they're, they're still here waiting, whether they're on holiday in Tahiti, whether they're in the desert somewhere, nobody's going to miss it. Jesus Christ is coming back to enter into a new time, a new life, you know, and we won't have to worry about, you know, the the struggles of, of this life, the battle of the flesh. You know, we're going to get rid of this body, you know, and we're going to be raised incorruptible. And I reckon that's something worth waiting for and that's something worth living for. And all the people said?